Welcome to the Sunday evening service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained, Christians are encouraged, and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Take your Bibles tonight for our time in the Word. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, we've been encouraged today as a church to minister to our missionaries. Grateful Mike is still here tonight, Mike Martin, uh, field administrator for South America Baptist World, and uh, all the, the challenges this morning have spoken to my heart, and I'm so glad Paul is going to challenge us tonight about, uh, about being committed to what God is doing in the world today. I hope you know what that is. <laughs> I hope you know what your purpose is in life. In Ephesians chapter 3, he will crystallize that for us, and I hope you understand uh, that Paul is speaking in terms of a great cause. And he begins chapter 3, verse 1, th- uh, thusly, For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Let me ask you a question as we begin. What, what would be so important to you that you'd be willing to go to jail for it? Paul will use this comment twice in the text. Let's read on, shall we? For this cause, and we're going to talk about that very phrase, and what does he mean by that? What is the cause that motivated the apostle? If you have heard, verse 2, of the dispensation, the stewardship of the grace of God which is given to me, to you word. In other words, God gave this cause, this purpose, this calling to Paul for the cause of the Gentiles, specifically in this case, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, a word he will use three times. As I wrote before in a few words, whereby, when ye read, you might understand my knowledge in the mystery, there it is again, of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles, the first appointment, really, or the cause that he is referring to, prophets by the Spirit. It was hidden in the past, but he's now going to reveal that cause, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. Certainly the Chileans and the Brazilians and the Chinese and all those outside of the, of the national family of Jews, that we could be fellow heirs, verse 6, of the same body and partakers of this promise in Christ by the gospel. The key would be the gospel uh, to join this new entity, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectually effective working of His power. This is not uh, your cause, Joe and Hallie. This is the power that will work through you because if you're pursuing and uh, prosecuting the cause of Christ, He will do it with you. Go and I will be with you. Unto me, verse 8, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul is passionate about this. And to make all men see, he wants to urge them, what is the fellowship of this mystery from which the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent, the purpose, now unto the principalities and powers in in heavenly places might be made known by the church. The manifold wisdom of God, picture for a moment the angels who are bending over, as we say, the ramparts of heaven, looking at the church with amazement 
because for 4,000 years, this has been a mystery hidden to them as well, and now revealed the great gospel of Christ to the body of Christ, the church, and they are beginning to see the marvelous panorama of grace unfolded to the bride of Christ, and they are just amazed to see how it's working. According to the eternal purpose, this wasn't a yesterday idea by God, the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of Him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at all my tribulations, the chains that I wear for you, the place that I am now in bonds, which is your glory. Paul could certainly add mine as well. For this cause, we see it repeated from verse 1, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Started out by saying, I'm in bonds because of this cause, and now I'm praying because of this cause, this purpose, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, Gentile believers in Ephesus, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might in His Spirit, in the inner man, that Christ might dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God, all the fullness of God unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us glory, excuse me, unto Him be glory in the church. By There he kind of tips his hand, doesn't he? Unto Him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. I've never, uh, I've never seen this great panorama of grace displayed in such a beautiful way until I read Ephesians chapter 3 where Paul tells us, I'm in prison because of a cause. I'm, in bound, I'm bound because of a cause. I'm praying because of my, my knees have callous. I'm passionate about this cause. And what is the cause? The cause is the church of Jesus Christ. And I want us all to understand as the new year begins and we end this missions emphasis Sunday, that what God is doing in the world today is building His church. And you get to be a part of it. You're part of the church if you're saved tonight. And so on your list of priorities in 2024, I hope you become, if you're not now, a church loyalist, a church lover. There's been a time where I've not been a Christian, but there's never been a time in my life where I've not been taken to church by parents, missionary parents, and I'm thankful for that. I mean, my dad had a routine, I've told you about it before, where he on Saturday night, along with mom's help, would put out our clothes, uh, getting us ready on Saturday for Sunday. He would pull out our, in the mission field Brazil, very warm, and he would bring out the little brown shorts and put them by that little white shirt. We had suspenders, and he would polish by himself. He would polish all of our shoes and put them in a row by our bed so that Sunday morning we were ready for church. Dad was a church lover. You know why? Because that is what God is doing today. He's a missionary because God is building His church and He's spreading that news to the Gentile world. Aren't you glad? I don't think we have many Jews here tonight. At least I don't know. There may be some partial 
um, in terms of your background, but most of us are recipients of the great grace of God spread through uh, this commission to Paul to share the glorious mystery of the church. And Dad got us in church habit early in life. <laughs> uh, we, bo- we bothered Dad about that. We grouched about it a little bit at times. In fact, on furlough, um, we got involved in a little league team and we had practice on Wednesday. Coach told my father, now listen, uh, your son isn't that much at baseball, but if he's going to play baseball little league, we got to we got to practice on Wednesday nights. And my dad looked at him and says, no, we be church people. And the man said, isn't that a Sunday thing? And my dad said, no, sir. Uh, our church, we convene on a Wednesday night for prayer meeting. And that man looked at dad and says, isn't that a little bit fanatical? <laughs> Going to church twice a week? Is that That's crazy. And my dad looked at the coach and said, I don't care if you call me crazy, but my son is going to be in church when the doors are open. Folks, listen. That's what God is doing. Get on His team. I'm thankful for you being here on a Sunday night. You might think, boy, that's, isn't that a little bit of overkill? Churches are closing doors and less and less we are seeing folks come out. And as I look at the pattern of the early church, what was it that motivated Paul? What was it that motivated the early tier of disciple makers? Well, here, here's the news. God has risen from the grave He's imparted to us eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we've got to tell the world about it. And so they met daily from house to house, breaking bread, fellowshipping, eating together, understanding the apostles' creeds and doctrines, listening to godly teaching, exposition of the Word of God, and then sharing it. They also enjoyed the ordinances of the church. Of course, baptism, after they got saved, they got baptized, they joined the church, and they got involved. Maybe you're a fringe dweller. Maybe you're just on the outside nibbling. You call yourself a Christian, but you're nibbling at the idea of church. Oh, listen, commit yourself. You know, it's, a, it's great to be a committed, church-going Christian. It just is. And not only come and say, well, I found my pew, I found my spot, I gave my tithe, and I'm done for the week. No, listen, ask, how can I get involved? If God is, if God is building His church, and the very gates of hell are not prevailing, and at the very last moment of this era, this dispensation of time, God will gather His bride, and we will stand before Him and give an account of our lives. We want to be those who say, Lord, I did my best, my utmost with the gift You gave me to serve faithfully in the church that you were building. And I was so excited that, like Paul, if it needs be, they can take me to prison, but you can't drag me out of church. You can imprison me. You can kill me if necessary, but I want to be involved in church work. God still believes in the church. For this cause, Paul says, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Why not? be as serious about church as Paul was. Christ died for her. Paul was imprisoned for the cause of the church. Every scar on his body at the end of his ministry, after building 30, starting planting 30 churches or so, every scar spoke to the fact that he loved the church and loved the Gentiles and was about spreading the gospel uh, to the ends of the earth. Folks, I hope you're energized by that. I hope you are. 
I hope you have a heart for what Paul was excited about, what God's excited about. Church isn't something we do once in a while. Church isn't something we go to and leave. Church isn't a place on Mount Carmel Road with a steeple or a, I guess it's a copula, cup, whatever it is. It's up there. It's not that. Church is a body. It's something we are, and He's called us to be the church, His body, His bride. You are the church. So twice in this passage we see these words, for this cause. It's a sad thing to me that we're raising children, a generation of folks that don't know why they're here. They've got no purpose in life. Look at verse Number 11, to this eternal purpose I am tied, which God purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to be at the end of life's trail, no matter how long that will be for me, I want to be one who has spent his life doing what God is excited about doing, participating, cooperating with him in the Great Commission and the disciple-building ministry of the church. Paul says there's, there's been an eternal purpose and he says, I'm excited about this. And so the venerable Apostle Paul says, for this cause. And he is so energized that he says, I wish you could, verse, verse 9, he says, I wish I, could, I wish I could just press your faces against the window of God's eternal purpose and let you see what is so exciting. Let you see what the angels see from their vantage point that God is calling from all the ends of the earth. He's saving folks and bringing them together, filling them with His Spirit, giving them a new nature, saving them from the clutches of hell, giving them a new home. That's exciting work. God is saying, I have kind of hidden this for 4,000 years. Oh, there's been hints at it, but the church isn't just a warmed-over edition of Israel. No, it's a new thing. Uh, the bride of Christ it's not just a replacement for Israel. No, God is doing something new and exciting. And He says, I want everybody to see this, Jew, Gentile, black, white, bond-free, north, south, what God is doing in the world today. And so I have sensed that in our culture, in our, not just here around Hampton, but in our, in our world, in America today, there's a growing cynicism about church. And I I kind of can see why. There's a, a lot of shysters out there, charlatans. There's a distrust for preachers who are trying to wrestle you away from your money and using all kinds of strange promises that if you give to them, you'll be wealthy and healthy and wise. And, and so there is a growing cynicism. About, and, I, and I understand our college-agers and younger have this, this sense about, well, I don't want to go to church if, if that's all there is, just preachers trying to take my money from me. And I understand that, but that's not what church is about. I understand there's also a, a growing apathy within the American church about reaching out to others and sharing the good news. Because as I mentioned this morning, I, I don't know that, that everybody within the church who calls themselves church members have ever tasted of living water. They've never had that joy in their spirit that they've been regenerated and born again. It's hard to get anybody to come to a place that's dead, and you're dead yourself. But once God gets a hold of your heart, there's a love for Him. Once you taste living water, once you know what it is 
be filled with the Spirit and have power over sin, over death, over hell. There's something in you that wants to kick your heels and say, let's go tell somebody. Like the shepherds, they couldn't have yawned and played bingo after the angels appeared and said, for unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior is born. Don't yawn about that. I knocked on the door one time, and it was a former church member, and I said, sir, I think you belong in church because your name is on the roll, and we haven't seen you for a good while. And he shrugged his shoulders and said, you know something, preacher, there's just nothing there for me. That's what I got. I wanted to shake him a little bit, but preachers shouldn't do that. There, there is a, I mean, if you're dead, you can't get excited about much, right? But if you're alive in Christ, you want to be around Christians. You want to tell somebody about Christ. You want to love the book. How long since you pulled on somebody's sleeve next to you, say, hey, you've just got to come. And to hear about Jesus. So there's a growing apathy. I think part of it may be engendered by the hyper-Calvinists. I, I do appreciate some wonderful elements of Reformed theologians, theologians or Reformed theology, but there can be this overemphasis on the fact that we can't, we can't compel men, we can't implore men, we can't invite men, because it's all of, I know God does the saving. He does the calling he does all that. He does, he does the work of salvation in us, but still He's given to us the wonderful mandate to go, to tell, to move the gospel. He does the saving. I can't do that. You can't do that, but let's not sit on our hands. I've got some good friends that say, we, oh, we, we ought not implore, we ought not have altar call, we ought not do any of that because... We just need to sit on our hands, not to him that willeth or runneth, but to him that show. I understand that it's God that saves, but God's given us a job. Don't be apathetic about church and about evangelism. Do what God's called you to do. Take his hand and go where he's asked you to go. And thirdly, I think there's an ap a growing rise of junk food theologians. I mentioned that. They don't even ask you to bring a Bible to church and they've dumbed down theology. There's words that are missing. They say, well, this is an ancient text with old ideas and outdated terms. Who speaks about atonement and holiness and justification and sanctification anymore? Who talks about separation and imputed righteousness and adoption and all these words that are so rich with meaning? Let's forget about that and let's just have fun church. Um, some of you remember Tennessee Temple University back in the day. Uh, the church pastor there, Lee Roberts in Highland Park, uh, the, the fellow that followed him, a couple pastors removed, took the church and relocated it in 2013. And his mantra became this, we want to be the funnest church on the block. And so, and I understand that it's not um, unspiritual to have events and programs that are full of joy and excitement. I understand that. I mean, there's a place for potlucks, I, I suppose. We'll sort that out in heaven. And there's, there's a time to just enjoy fellowship one with another. But church isn't about fun. As you read the paradigm of the early church, it's about 
We want to know Jesus. We want to worship Christ. We want to know the Word. We want to prepare ourselves for eternity. We want to let go of what doesn't matter and hold on to what's so important, eternal values. So we're looking for leaders that know the Word and how to express the Word and exposit and teach the Word and give us food, not junk food. Give us food. Churches are filled with folks that are chasing all kinds of things, ecology lessons, dancing deacons, self-help groups, all kinds of ex external things, extraneous things that don't really matter, and there's less and less preaching about repentance and sin and holiness and giving ourselves, preparing ourselves for the day we will meet Christ. These churches that do this, by and large, are shrinking in their membership. Not all, but some are. But give us churches that love the Word. And so we see that some churches are being pushed to close by apathy and by junk food theologians and then just by the rise of cults, the attraction of cults. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about this gal we met in Zimbabwe that all the way out in the bush country was influenced by cults. How is it that the cults seem to just get out there Way out there, Satan seems to be ahead of us in his great commission to his minions. But yet the Lord promised, I will build my church. I will, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Quickly, let me just give you why Paul is so excited. Why is he in prison? Why has he not given up before they took him there? Why did he go to the point of death? Why did they cut off his head in Rome, beheaded Paul because of this cause? The first thing Paul says is because it's been a mystery, there's been an unveiling of a great mystery. God's called me as an apostle, as the point man to tell the folks, tell the Gentile world that this message of Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection is not for the Jew only. It's not locked in their borders. It is for everyone. And I'm here to share that with you. And Joe, as you go out and share the message, isn't it great to know that God extends this beyond the borders of Israel? You know, Israel was given the commission to share the good news to the then-known world, but they, they didn't. They were, they were really uh, unfaithful with that mission. It was given first in the garden and then to Noah and then, of course, on to Abraham. In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And yet Israel kept it to themselves and they didn't become evangelists. They didn't. In fact, they hated the Jews. I mean, they hated the Gentiles and expelled them uh, from any kind of attempts at worship. And the Lord is saying, I have loved the world all along, and I want you to know this. And it's my joy to unveil a great mystery, the word that's used in verse number two, or excuse me, three, verse four, and verse nine. In the Greek, it simply means something that has been hidden in the past and now has exploded into view. The church... It's my joy to tell you Gentiles that you are invited into the body of Christ. We all get saved the same way, Jew or Gentile. We come and put our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and we become His by a new nature, by regeneration. And he says it's, it's a, a blessing to be the one that, that really explodes this truth to the world. And Paul is saying, I am Christ's prisoner because it's been a joy to me 
to unveil this wonderful cause. And they did not appreciate, the Jew did not appreciate the fact that Paul was inviting Gentiles to the grace of God. And yet he says, it is so exciting to be the one, the front runner, to tell the world that Jesus cares. Jesus died for them. That is the cause that motivated him and it took him to many, many prisons in his lifetime. Then secondly, moving quite quickly tonight, there is this idea that Paul unleashes a great mercy. For that, you just look back a page in your wonderful book of Ephesians to chapter 2, verse 1. You, you were dead, but he quickened you. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But there's been a great mystery uh, that has been unveiled and a great mercy that's been unleashed. You were dead. You were disobedient. You were destined for wrath. You were doomed. But verse 4 of chapter 2 is one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. But God, <laughs> but God, there's a transition here, who is what? Say it. Rich in mercy. For his great love, wherewith he loved us. Paul said, I, I'm prosecuting this great cause. I'm a part of this great ministry. Because of God who is rich in mercy, he called himself the chief of sinners, the least of the saints. I didn't deserve this. When I was dead in sins, verse 5, he brought me to life through Christ. I've been saved by grace. I've been raised up. And he's put me not just on a shelf one step higher, but he's put me in heavenly places. I'm seated with Christ Jesus. I've made, been accepted in the Beloved, that in the ages to come, after we get together in heaven, He will show us the exceeding riches of His grace. Paul says, it is my joy to uh, unveil this great mercy. And then, finally, he says this, not only these things, but it is a great privilege, he says, to undertake a great ministry. And that's really where Paul ends. He says, it's my purpose now, verse 11 of chapter 3, uh, to take this message of salvation to the world. You look at these verses, 14, verse, for this cause I bow my knees and I pray for you, that you would understand that there is no calling, there is no purpose, there is no plan that can compare to the church building that God is doing and God is doing this great work, and He's allowed me to cooperate, have a small part in that, in telling others the good news of the gospel. And Paul says, it has so impassioned me, it has so motivated me that I have gone to the ends of the, my own earth, and I'm committed to share it with everybody, with kings and princes, with paupers, with those in the highways and byways, whoever I see, so that everybody would know the goodness of God in Christ Jesus. And then he goes to chapter 4, I beg you, I beg you that you would walk worthy in a commensurate way is the word, with the vocation to which you are called. Joe, Hallie, to you has been given the stewardship of the gospel. And on the mission field, as already has been mentioned, there'll be days full with Filled with dailiness, all the stuff you got to do to set up a house, to run a family, to furnish a house, to fix a car, to get the documents in order, 
to learn a language and you'll be frustrated with the movement. The progress is so slow, but never forget in your heart and hands the stewardship, the great cause for this cause. God has sent you to the Gentiles in Chile. So learn their language as quickly as you can and spill over them the great truth that God loves them. And he came a long way to redeem them, to pay for the penalty of their sin. And oh, we look forward to seeing you soon. The time will go quickly. And hearing perhaps of victories that you have seen in Chile. And one day in heaven, we get to hold hands those we've invested in you to reach. And that's exciting. That's very exciting. We're thankful that this message and this cause, this mystery, is the greatest thing in the world. And God is building His church through all of us. May we be faithful to that end. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you.